Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we're going to do a celebrity spotlight today. Yep, first recording of this year. Yeah, well, technically, well, of, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, so if you're just joining us, our celebrity spotlight is where we talk about a celebrity's life, you know, that has already passed. We kind of go from their childhood and kind of how they got into their career and talk about some interesting things. If you're joining us for the first time for one of these, this is Shelly's idea completely she came up with. Um, wanting to talk about some people that maybe people don't know about or their lives. Like, you know famous people, but you don't know kind of how they grew up. Yeah, and some of it's very interesting. If you haven't listened to our other ones, I definitely suggest it. Maybe not Lucille Ball because it was my first one and, you know, you know how the first time goes. Yeah. It's always a little rough. Yeah, when we did our year-end review, I re-listened a little bit to Doomsday, which was our third episode. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at how different it sounded. Uh, right? Yeah, and it's like we've only done 40 or so episodes at this point. Mm-hmm. But boy, it's just crazy how much it's changed. Yeah, we've we've gotten better. Yes, I love it. As you say, yes, or as you think. Uh, (laughs) Me, I'm still like, I can do better. I know. But today we're going to talk about Betty White, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately, New Year's Eve last year, she passed away. Oh, wow. Pretty suddenly. She would have been 100 years old last year, January 17th. And this episode is actually going to be released on January 16th, the day before what would have been her 101 birthday. Wow. I guess I didn't remember that she passed on New Year's Eve. I believe it was New Year's Eve. We'll get into that. Terrible uh, way to ring in the New Year for her family. Yeah, if I'm wrong, then I'll correct myself later. (laughs) And also, if you're listening to this and you get all the way through and you kind of wish I would have talked about something else... Uh, send us a message. You can reply to this post that we have on Betty White on our Instagram or uh, Twitter. Or you can send us an email, thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com. Let us know what we missed and we'll give you a shout out and also uh, talk about what you said. And it'll be on our next Celebrity Spotlight that we'll we'll talk about that. Because we kind of keep our movies together and then our celebrity spotlights together. Yeah, and, you know, if people do start writing into us and be like, you missed this, you missed this. I mean, it's an entire person's life. Oh, yeah. How can we talk about that? Yeah, no, and I'm glad you said that. And I just mean, like, if there's something, like, interesting. Like, if you've ever met Betty White. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear your experience, uh, what you think about her, you know, how she is in person. Because she seems like a, a pretty cool chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that would be very interesting to people who have anecdotal stories about meeting her or how she impacted their lives in some way, yes. But if you're like, well, when she was 15, she did this, like, well, you know, we tried. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for writing in. <laughs> so I'm going to open with some advice that Betty would give to aspiring actresses, which really goes for everyone. And that is walk into every situation with a positive, open mind. Allow yourself time to experience a situation before forming an opinion. Oh, okay. Isn't that great? Yeah. But it's just, you gotta, you can't just jump to conclusions, which I think a lot of people like to do. I do. They like to assume, like, if somebody's accused of something, yes, oh my gosh, they did it. Mm -hmm. You know, but you don't know. You don't know both sides, and sure, it may seem that way, but just... Keep an open mind until you know all the facts. 
I would say yes in minor things like that. Like if there's like, oh, somebody said something mean about you behind your back, being like, well, you're telling me that secondhand. Now, if it's somebody was like, they murdered their five kids, I'm going to be like, oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a little skeptical and be yeah. like, I need to know more. Yeah, and I'll be like, well, if they're in jail, they must have a reason for arresting them. So I'm going to be like, you know. True that. True that. <laughs> But it still doesn't seem real that Betty has passed. And I found myself typing the series out in the present tense like she was still alive. Oh, yeah. So if, if that happens, then I apologize. I tried to fix all of that. But it's just so... I, I just felt like she would live forever. Yeah, she's been alive our entire lives. And yeah. what's crazy is we were talking about it in the car. You were like, she's born in 1922, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, she was 20 years old in 1942. And, you know, World War II was going on and she was a full adult. Yeah. Like, how crazy is that to think? It is really crazy. And she lived into the 2020s. So that's just crazy to think. I know, for real. But she was born Betty Marion White on January 17th, 1922 in Oak Park, Illinois. Wow, that's a real name. Yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't know her middle name, but yeah, she kept her her name throughout her whole life. She was the only child of Christine Tess White, a homemaker, who would go by her middle name, Tess, and her dad, Horace Logan White, who was a lighting company executive. Mm. And, and wow, if you think about it, lighting was still pretty new in the early 1900s. Hmm, yeah, I guess so. Because Thomas Edison received his patent for the light bulb in the late 1800s, However, only half the homes in the U.S. had electricity by 1925. That's a good business to probably be on the ground floor. I, I just imagine them having to move town to town because the town starts to try to, like, burn them for witchcraft. <laughs> but, like, this is the light bulb. Like, get out of here! Get out of here with your witchcraft! <laughs> your witchcraft! We'll burn you at the stake! Oh, I don't know why I did that in the southern accent. <laughs> oh. Well, where was she born? You said Indiana? Illinois. Oh, I Illinois? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I guess it would be more like, get out of here. Get out of here with your witchcraft. You get. Get out of this Chicago neighborhood. Get on out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but Betty's family would move to Alhambra, California when she was around two years old. And later during the Depression, they would move to Los Angeles, California. She graduated from Beverly Hills High School in 1939. Ooh, wow. I wonder what the the school drama was back in 1939. I know. Like, was she popular? I don't know all of that. Beverly Hills 90210, class of 39. (laughs) I'm guessing she was popular. I couldn't find a whole lot of her school life, but she was beautiful. Oh, yeah? Like, oh my gosh. Well, I just imagine... Back, you know, like the theme song for Beverly Hills, you know, it's like, dun 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 You just imagine it in that time being like, yeah, and it's just like, Betty, did you know that Donna showed her ankle at school? Oh, my God. She's going to get suspended. I heard that I heard that Dylan was smoking in the bathroom. Like, well, doctors recommend you to smoke. Yeah, it's it's good for your lungs. Really opens them up. Brandon's dad is having some flashbacks of World War One. Yeah, just oh yeah. Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero class of thirty nine. <laughs> that would be so different. <laughs> I just imagine it in black and white, even though it would. 
<laughs> but while she was in school, she did act in plays and even helped write a graduation play that she starred in. And this would come around and be a big part of her becoming an actress. Yeah. Because even though Betty enjoyed acting in the school plays, she didn't aspire to be an actress. Nope. Mm. She wanted to be a forest ranger or a zookeeper. Oh, wow. Quite different. Yes, exactly. She always remembered having animals growing up, sometimes more than they could handle. Uh, during the Depression, her dad would make and sell radios. Like, okay, okay, dad, you're ahead of your time. Yeah, that's very smart. Like, you, th you said electrician or, like, lighting. You just assume that he's maybe like a salesman, but damn, he's making a radio. I think he knew his shit. However, since it was a depression and he's trying to sell these radios, nobody had money. Yeah. So he would trade them for dogs. Oh, okay. <laughs> My kind of man. He would take their animals. Be like, here's a radio. Let me have your dog. Thanks. And then he built kennels in the backyard and cared for them. I just imagine now they'll be like, well, we're going to be connected to the world with this radio. We're going to be so far ahead. Let's, okay, we'll give our dog. We love him. But then they turn the radio on. It's like. Everybody's depressed. No one has money. Stock market crashed. They're like, man, I wish we had our dog. <laughs> our dog was the only good thing we had, and we just gave him away. It's, it's basically like now today. It's like, are Democrats evil? But like, just like they get hooked on it like Fox News. Oh, yes. They're like, oh, we should have kept our dog. <laughs> <laughs> Betty remembers having up to 15 dogs at one point. It became way too much for them to care for, so they found everyone... But two of them a new home. I couldn't imagine having 15 dogs. Yeah, she's like Will Graham and Hannibal. And then, I mean, they must have had money. Well, if her dad was established like that, I would imagine so. So that's, I mean, it's good that he wanted to take care of all these, these puppers. But then another TV show I'm coming up with is Betty White Hannibal. Oh, oh my gosh. So Betty White would be Hannibal? Well, if she has 15 dogs, that would make her kind of like Will Graham. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, and then... Whenever Hannibal does evil things to her, she's just happy and nice about it. Oh, yeah. They're like, I framed you for Moda, Betty White. They're like, oh, well, that's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> I made it seem like you ate five people. Well, things are going to happen. So actually, Hannibal would be... Um... B. Arthur? Yeah, B. Arthur. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, what is her name? I, f I framed you for Moda, Betty White. <laughs> oh, I forgive you, B. God, God damn it, you're so nice. I'm going to make it seem like you ate people. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'm getting you committed to an insane asylum. I Ooh. need a vacation. <laughs> I'll meet new people. <laughs> Betty White Hannibal. Uh, she also has fond memories of her family traveling during the, her summer breaks at school to the High Sierras oh. on horseback. God, they must have had money. Yeah. Uh, they would also camp in Yellowstone National Park. And, wow. I mean, you may be asking yourself, well, what happened? Why didn't she become a forest ranger or a zookeeper? Well, at the time, only males were hired to be a forest ranger or a zookeeper. Oh, I should have known. So because she was a woman, that's the reason she could not go into either of these careers. I just imagine her, like, applying for it, and they're just trying not to tell her. Be like, you don't meet the requirements because... Because you're um, not very strong. Because you're a woman. Mm -hmm. This is hard. Mm, oh, jeez. Although back in the day, 
that I doubt they could get sued if they came out and said it. They were probably like, a woman? I don't think so. Yeah, no, they would just be like, oh, <laughs> all the men will back me up on this. Don't have a penis? Get out of here. Yeah, whatever. You're too emotional. You can't handle this job. Oh, God. Your period will attract bears. <laughs> uh, but don't worry. You know, later in life, she would actually become both of these. She met the zookeeper part by working with the Los Angeles Zoo for 47 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, much later in life, the Forest Service would make her an honorary forest ranger. And it wasn't like, you know, they just sent her a pin in the mail or anything. Uh, it was official. They invited her out to Washington, D.C. Uh, at the Kennedy Center and had a special program and everything. Did Smokey the Bear give it to her? <laughs> well, what's funny? In her book, If You Ask Me, and of course you won't, there is actually a picture of her in a forest ranger hat holding Smokey the Bear. Oh, really? Yeah, like a little teddy bear. He's like, Smokey the Bear. Oh, he's like, well, thank you for wanting to be a forest ranger. And she's like, yes, now I can start all the forest fires I want. Yes, now I can smoke and throw my cigarette out the window. <laughs> so was she doing this before acting, like this 47 years of the zoo? No, she did it while. Oh, wow. While she was acting and doing all that. I just, now they're like, uh, Betty, you know, I know you're working on the Golden Girls and stuff, but you got to come for your shift on Saturday. Like. <laughs> You've kind of dipped on us the past few weeks. We need someone to cover the ice cream cone shack. She's like, here's $100,000. Shut the fuck up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. You were supposed to be working the bear cage, <laughs> and uh, so we had to get a boy in there who never had experience, and it, it ate him. It ate him, Betty. It mauled him to death. Well, tell his family I'm sorry. Here's a signed headshot. <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't like that. No. We're just being funny. Let's go back to the high school play she helped write and star in. This got her an invitation to do an experimental television show. This experiment was one of the first broadcasts on the West Coast. Wow. Yeah. 90210 class of 39. <laughs> For real. She was chosen to participate in this experimental broadcast after singing at her high school graduation. Even though this was a great boost for Betty, she put her career on hold and worked with the American Women's Voluntary Services during World War II. Dang. Yeah. Very cool. That experiment, people loved her. And she wasn't the only one. There were some other people, too. But it was just such a great experience to be, like, one of the first people yeah. on television on the West Coast. Of course, there are other areas that had TV. Or a television. Was it a show? Like, did it say what it was? It was just a broadcast. No. It's just a local broadcast thing. So in World War II, Betty would drive a PX truck and supplies to barracks in the Hollywood Hills. Wow. As well as attend dances at night for the troops that would soon be shipped off overseas. Wow, that's impressive. So she would entertain the troops. I hope that just means... You know, it doesn't mean what I my my terrible brain is thinking. Oh, I think it was. I mean, of course, I didn't read any of this. This is all yeah. speculation. But I'm pretty sure she had a good time with these boys before they were shipped off. She is very flirty. Oh, yeah. She's a very flirty girl. And she's right. pretty, so, you know. I mean, we would know for sure if it was Rue McClanahan. Oh, for real. She would be like, oh, yeah, I slept with all of them. And they were A's. And <laughs> one was an F. And and the other one was like a B. She would show up and be like, "All right, you, you, and you, same time. Let's go." <laughs> you suck my toes. I'll lick your ass. Oh Jesus! 
So if you haven't listened to Rue McClanahan, give that a listen. You'll love it. Yeah. But it's interesting because actually B. Arthur was doing the same thing on the other side of the map in New York City. Oh, wow. So it was kind of neat. And they didn't even know each other at this time. Yeah. Betty would serve from 1941 to 1945. And just like B, she would also find her first husband while serving. Hmm. This was U.S. Army Air Force pilot Dick Barker. They married oh, after- oh. Let me tell you some things about Dick Barker. <laughs> yeah. Is he like Bob Barker? No, sexy Bob Barker. <laughs> hey, everybody, heads up. Dick Barker's in town. Whoa. He'll show you a good time. They married after the war ended in 1945 and moved in with his parents on a chicken farm in Ohio. Okay. Yeah, this only lasted eight months and Betty was off pursuing her career because if you remember during this time most men wanted women to be housewives and birth their children mm-hmm. but betty wasn't having any of that because you said she didn't have any kids right Mm-mm. yeah yeah she was solely focused on her career which some might say is selfish but i think it's because like rue had a kid and just whoa yeah no she should not have had a kid no no not at all i mean we don't have kids and, you know, I think it's not as stigmatized now, but it's like, dude, I've seen a lot of people with kids that are messed up mm-hmm. or have bad home lives or their f- parents are messed up. And I've seen like these videos and stuff of like people that were murderers or something or get arrested and they're like, oh, their parents beat them and abuse them. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you really don't need any like qualification to be a parent. <laughs> you can just... And I know my parents tried, but, you know, they, they failed in a few parts. But, yeah, I, I think it's more respectable if someone realizes that and doesn't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I would rather focus on this because, boy, I don't know how I would be as a parent. Yeah, this, and not to get too far off subject, but the abortion, you know, being outlawed is is very worrisome for that. There's going to be a lot of kids getting abused and things, but... We're talking about Betty. Yeah. And we like to do a lot of squirrel moments in these episodes, just FYI. So Betty tried getting TV jobs, but was rejected several times, saying that she was not photogenic. Hmm. Like, what? That's strange. What? Betty was very good looking. Uh, They'd be crazy. I mean, she had dimples. Yeah. She had, you know, I don't know, the eyes. I think we'll try to find like a young picture of her when mm-hmm. we upload this. Yeah, I mean, I've seen plenty about by researching, and she's just, she's stunning. She instead went towards the radio side, which is a little bit like Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. In the late 1950s, Betty would meet Lucille, and they became close friends. Wow, what are the odds? Yeah, so close that even their moms became friends with each other. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't, I didn't really see a lot of that, like Betty being friends with Lucille. You would think you would see them together, but... yeah. So that was really neat. So Betty would meet her second husband, Hollywood agent Lane Allen, and would be married from 1947 to 1949. Oh, shit. Can you guess why the marriage ended? Her career? Yep. The marriage ended when Lane wanted Betty to be a housewife. Oh, God. (laughs) I wonder how much she got shit for that, like not wanting to be a housewife and... But like, no, you're going to cook, you're going to clean, you're going to stay home, and I'm going to earn the money. Yeah, exactly. That's what I even put in here. I mean, it must have been tough. Yeah. Because the world is viewing her as a baby maker and a housewife. And she is like, no, 
I got bigger and better things going on here than having some kind of baby yeah. holding me down. But, you know, if you have kids, you know they're precious. That's, it's okay. You know, that's what my grandma, my dad's mom was, you know, homemaker. That's it. Yeah. And if that's what you want to be, and if kids are your passion, get it. Yep. You know, oh my gosh, we need good parents. So please, if you have that passion, you have those babies. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you don't, please don't. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. I didn't. And, I, and I'm really glad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are our, our own personal views, and I've just seen so many people where I'm just like, man, their parents mm -hmm. were terrible. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, imagine everything that we would miss out on if Betty would have been a housewife. Yeah. I mean, wow, we would have missed out on everything. So go with your dreams, guys. Just do it. So thank you, Al Jarvis, for noticing Betty in 1949 on a game show called Grab Your Phone, where the host would ask a question and one of four girls would answer a phone next to them to shout out the caller's answer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Never heard of it. Back in the day, Al offered her a spot on his locally broadcasted talk show called Hollywood on Television. This was a five and a half hour live television show airing six days a week. I guess back at the time they didn't really have much. No, I mean, and I, I, I didn't realize how, like, if people would sit in front of the TV for that long. I mean, is it like today? Where we all just sit in front of the TV all the time? Well, people will binge watch like an entire season. True. But like, oh, the new Wednesday season came out. But like, oh, people will just watch the whole oh, thing. Man, if you haven't seen Wednesday, you've got to. Yeah, it was really good. I, I was skeptical. <laughs> yeah. No, it was really good. Um, But yeah, people do that now. I remember when Lost, when I was going through Lost, I was on the second season and I watched the whole second season in like a few days mm -hmm. i was like i have to know what happens now it's probably not the same thing but back then they're just like this is the only thing that's on yeah true and that it because it you didn't get broadcasted all over the world yeah it wasn't that big you just had your sections true so, i would end up leaving the show to betty in 1951 betty did her best and described this time in her book like going to television college hmm. yeah I read in several different places that Betty was the first female talk show host, but my research concluded that Betty is the first daytime female talk show host. Mm. Faye Emerson had her, own, had her own late night talk show on CBS in 1949, making her the first late night talk show host. Okay. I thought the first female talk show host was Jennifer Lawrence. You're what? looking at me weird. Shelly doesn't keep up with all the news, but uh -huh. <laughs> uh, basically there was a thing a, a while ago where Jennifer Lawrence was in an interview. She's in the Hunger Games. Yeah. And she's like, you know, it was really special of me being in the Hunger Games because before that, there really hadn't been a female action star in a movie before. <laughs> and people were like, uh, you got Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. You <laughs> so people were like coming out with all these examples of female-led movies way before she was probably born. Yeah. Funny thing is I am actually going to talk a little bit about Sigourney Weaver. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And so many people wanted to put Betty as the first, like, person on the West Coast mm. television. She was first late-night talk show host or any talk show host. But I'm just like, that's cool. That's cool you love Betty. Yeah. But let's stick to the facts. Let's make sure that it's it's a for real thing. She was the first one of the first people on the West Coast 
television, but there were also several others. Mm-hmm. So you can't just loop her in to be the only one. Yeah, just as as history keeps going, it's probably harder and harder to keep track. And who knows? Maybe in uh, you know twenty one thirty five, Donald Trump will be viewed as like a god. Be like, oh, when he came to power, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to shut your mouth <laughs> right now. <laughs> Don't talk like that. That's awful. Uh, This new talk show host uh, adventure would bloom a series called Life with Elizabeth. Betty played Elizabeth and her husband on the show was Del Moore as Alvin. This show is compared to the I Love Lucy show uh, as far as a married couple acting in front of a live audience about their life adventures. The show would win Betty her first Emmy for Most Outstanding Female Personality. This led to Life with Elizabeth being a filmed series and would be Betty's first national exposure. Oh, cool. 50 years later, the L.A. station would air a sketch of Betty recreating the Life with Elizabeth show. I watched the episode, and it's funny, but there's a narrator that talks to Elizabeth, Hmm. and it's a little odd. Like, they have a conversation. Oh, really? Like, it's like God almost? Yeah. Yeah. So it it was just a little odd for me, but it's funny. So Betty had a love for being on game shows. Maybe it's because she met the love of her life on one. Which love of her life? In 1961, Betty would go to New York and be on the game show called Password, where she would fall in love with the host, Alan Ludden, who would become her third and final husband. All right. Alan would spend two years asking Betty to marry him before they finally tied the knot in 1963. I just, now I think of him like surprising her with it every time. It's like, oh, Betty, uh, you have uh, something, you have a call waiting in the other room. She walks in like, surprise, are you marrying me? Marry me. She even turned him down when he bought a ring and he wore the ring on a chain around his neck until she said yes. Oh, jeez. And I think she was afraid because... I mean, the last two marriages, they just wanted her to be a housewife. And she's yeah. like, I don't want to do that. Like, buddy, I don't want you to be a housewife. We're in this business called show, let's do it. And it could be because he already had three children. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a... <laughs> Look, my dad married my mom when she had a kid, and I was always under the assumption, maybe, you know, because as I got older in life, women around me had kids. There's a good chance maybe I will marry a woman that has a kid because I'm getting older. So are they. Mm -hmm. I didn't, thankfully. But, you know, it happens. You got me. (laughs) Yeah. So this did make her a stepmom. The youngest being a teenager. So I think there was probably some conflict because teenagers, am I right? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I hear things. I just remember when I was a teenager and it was pretty scary. Yeah, I was pretty laid back as a teenager, but it, I didn't cause trouble for my parents until later. <laughs> I was wild and I was out. Yeah. I was, I was going crazy. See, my sister screwed my parents up before I did, or before yeah. I came along. So by the time I was there, they were like, you're going out? Sure. Okay. Just be safe. <laughs> they were married for 18 years before Alan would sadly pass away from stomach cancer. No. Oh. Betty would never remarry, saying that she already had the best. Oh, that's sweet. I know. They were in love. Hmm. I also feel that Betty was very career-driven and didn't want to settle down, quote-unquote. So, other game shows that Betty would be on is Match Game, 
Tattletales, To Tell the Truth, The Hollywood Squares, and The 25,000 Pyramids. Do you know any of those? Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, I've heard a few of the like, $25,000 Pyramid, mm-hmm. Match Game. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. So I used to watch Hollywood Squares all the time. Oh, yeah, and that went on for years, too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's still on, but they used to do a modern version of it. Oh, wow. That's cool. Betty would be the first woman to win a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Game, game Show Host in 1983 for hosting Just Men. All right. That one I have not heard of. Yeah, I tried to watch it, and I, I just couldn't get through it. What's it, was, it about? Uh, it was just like a bunch of men. So the title just isn't lying. Men. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing is, like, Betty was just kind of flirting with oh, all yeah. of them. And I'm just like, oh, okay, when are we going to get to the game? So I, I literally probably watched, watched like a minute of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Well, what's the game where it has the two family feud? If you watch oh, old yeah. episodes of Family Feud, Richard Dawson would be like making out with the women on that show and be like, oh, hello. Oh, yeah. So it, maybe they had their own version of that. And they're like, Betty, go in there and tongue these men. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> uh, and like she memorized all of her stuff. Like she would know things about these guys. And oh. I don't know. Anyway, Betty's dad, Horace, passed away uh, November 19th, 1963 which was almost three months after she was married to Alan. Per his death certificate, he passed away from acute coronary occlusion, which is a heart attack. Yeah. He was only 64 years old. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh. But Betty thanked her dad for her abundant supply of energy. Her mom would call him Horace the Hummingbird because he was always moving. (laughs) She was close to her dad, but even closer to her mom, who passed away a couple weeks into filming Golden Girls on November 11th, 1985, from natural causes at the age of 86. See, I always hate hearing that, where it was like, her dad died in the 60s, the mom died in the 80s, that's 20 years without. Exactly, yeah. And it's interesting because they all kind of died in the same months. Her mom and dad in November... And then Betty in December. Hmm, yeah. So, kind of weird. Uh, interesting enough, another thing they, they had in common, B and Betty, is that B's mom would also pass away around this time, uh, which was especially hard for both of them to keep the, the show Golden Girls going. Boy, you think that they would come together because they're so alike, but yeah. maybe that's why they butted heads. I don't know. I think it was just Betty liked to play and B liked to get to business. Yeah, I I did think one time, I'm like, would I, you know, when I was going through problems, I'm like, if I met myself, would I be friends with myself? And I'm like, probably not. Probably not. Like now or? Now I probably would. But back when I was, you know, younger and going through a lot of shit and Mm. causing problems, I'd be like, I wouldn't be friends with myself. So I'm like, I'm wondering if kind of if B is like that. Yeah, if I had another friend exactly like me when I was little or younger, I'd be in jail (laughs) or prison. One of those. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. I would probably be like, I'm not friends with that guy because he's got too many problems. <laughs> I, I would be a bad influence to myself. Yeah. Well, me too. I'd be like, oh, I tried to make plans and he canceled. <laughs> Asked if he wanted to go to a movie and he's like, yes. And then the day of, like an hour before we were going, he said, no, I can't make it. That's okay. That's social anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time, but yes. It's okay. 1952, Betty got her first network job with NBC as both host and producer of her own show called The Betty White Show. 
The show was a daytime talk show that had uh, entertainment segments with different kinds of performances. The president of NBC at the time was Pat Weaver, who would have a daughter later called Sigourney. Hey. So Betty worked with her dad. All right. Uh, Betty was delighted when years later she would work with Sigourney while shooting the movie You Again. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've not seen it, but it's like a kind of romantic comedy, I think. I think so. I didn't. Yeah, I don't remember. But Sigourney Weaver, we just saw her in a movie, Avatar 2. Yes, we did. She plays a weird younger version of herself. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of strange. Which, (laughs) you know, hopefully this isn't spoilers for Avatar 2, but I wonder if they went in and they like pitched her voice up a little bit because she's supposed to be younger. Maybe. You know, because everybody's voice changes. Because sometimes I didn't think she sounded like Sigourney. Yeah, there was some changes in there, but mm-hmm. yeah, because you know, it can't be like, "Hello, mom, how are you?" Be yeah. like, no, you'd be like, "Hi, mom, hi, I'm a hi. teenager." Here we are. My voice <laughs> is really high. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And Avatar Two is so worth a watch. Yeah, it's very long, but it was good. We did not see it in 3D because I'm not a fan, and we both have glasses. Yeah, me and- I don't feel like we missed anything. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Uh, so, unfortunately, the Betty White show would not last long, being canceled in 1954. Mm. It did try to make a comeback in 1977 as a sitcom. However, it was canceled after 14 episodes. Jeez. So, yeah. She's working for Netflix back then, I guess. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Man, Netflix. So, Betty has had a fan club since 1971. Wow. Called Bet's pets say that 10 times fast bets pets is like a sex club (laughs) they are dedicated to helping animals oh okay i take it back yeah i'm totally loving this and if it's still a thing i kind of want to be a part of it yeah they have a monthly membership and around christmas and betty's birthday in january they put a little more to spread around to different animal charities in betty's honor Uh, I'm sure you can imagine Betty getting a ton of fan mail since she has been going since 1971 as having a fan club. Yeah. It was suggested to her to send her fan mail to a company to handle it. She even knows an actor who she did not name that said they just dumped theirs without even reading it. Mm. It's kind of like Ringo Starr. Eventually he was like, I can't take any more mail. Mm. He's like, I I get so much. He's like, I love you so much, but I'm done. Yeah, but Betty, she really liked reading her fan mail to know what she was doing right and, more importantly, what she was doing wrong. Because mm. Betty said there people would not hide from that. They would tell you exactly what you were doing wrong. Yeah, see, nothing has changed since that time. Exactly. She would be like, I don't like your face. I'm like, well, I don't know how to change that one. Well, okay, let me talk to a plastic surgeon see what I can do. Uh, Betty was always so grateful to her fans because she knew they were responsible for her good fortune which i think is beautiful yeah betty remembers a time when rue mcclanahan used to say that's one thing i never get i never get stage fright betty thought she was lying through her teeth yes (laughs) somebody else said it betty shelly also thinks Rue McClanahan is a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Listen again. Listen to that episode for the factual errors throughout her story. Yeah. She says something about beating Hitler herself. I don't know. (laughs) No. 
Uh, it's wild though. So yeah, if you have listened to it, thank you so much. Yeah, very much appreciated. Every Golden Girl I have researched talks about how the set was a happy one, even if they had their differences. It's widely known that B. Arthur did not care for Betty's cheerfulness, which I talk a little bit more in B. Arthur's mm-hmm. uh, episode. However, now that Betty has passed, more rumors have come out. It is rumored that B and Rue both called Betty a cunt. Oh my god. Yeah. Some say it was resentment because Betty won the first Emmy for the Best Actress on Golden Girls in 1986. Oh my god. Yeah, it's also be. Also possible because when Estelle started having trouble memorizing her lines, Betty made fun of her in front of a live audience. Oh, okay. All right. And, I mean, she may have done this, but I'm not sure in what context. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how? Was it like, oh, she's so forgetful. Yeah. Like like that fucking cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, was she trying to play it off as a joke? I don't know. Maybe. Because, I mean, I'm kind of that person. I, yeah, I would make a joke, too. And I wouldn't mean to make fun of that person, but just kind of lighten the mood. Yeah, or be like, oh, Dementia Estelle over here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's too far. <laughs> I can't believe it where she's like, she. they just sound bitter about it. Yeah. She's like, I should have won the first fucking Emmy. I just, well, you didn't. No. Okay? Be glad you're getting paid. She's like, I yell and I bitch at everybody and I don't win awards. I don't get it. And maybe because Betty actually appreciates her fans. Yeah, and probably because didn't you say she used to like warm up the audience or go out there and talk to them? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, just thank you so much, and I'm so thankful to be here. And she's like, I fucking hate her. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you kind of got to be a person. Yeah. And not just a robot and work all the time. And Betty White's like. Oh, you know, I'll go on to do great things and stuff. And what did you say, B? You're doing the the Star Wars holiday special? (laughs) Yes, have fun with that. Well, I just imagine her being a bully now, too. Be like, B, you should do this. It's Star Wars. What could go wrong? It's huge. Oh, you're going to be a voice actor in some something called Futurama? What? That's actually a good idea. I know. Well, you really actually steered me clear on that one, yeah. (laughs) But um, I don't think Betty and her knew each other at the time of Star Wars because it came out – the holiday special came out after the first one in 77. Oh, okay. But I just imagine being like, it's the greatest thing. You need to get onto this. It's Star Wars. The first one was a huge hit. Yeah. You're going to be a singing bartender. People will love you, B. Like, you fucking bitch. (laughs) You ruined my career. It's considered one of the worst things ever done. (laughs) So the movie The Proposal started filming in 2008. This is when Betty met and became BFFs with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Oh. You know, just a couple B-list actors. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Like, adorable. There's pictures of them, and it, it, it's just adorable. Uh, doesn't Betty White, I think, do, like, she does, like, some sort of yoga-type thing, like, Native American type dance or something in that. Just hold on, buddy. <laughs> you just hold on. I remember that because I was working at the theater at the time, and I would walk through the theaters doing the checks and everything, making sure everything looked right. And I'm like, Betty White with a headdress on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on to your butt. Yeah. Uh, the proposal was about Sandra Bullock playing a Canadian executive that is on the verge of being deported, so she convinces her assistant, Ryan Reynolds, to be her fiancé. Betty plays Ryan's grandma, Annie, 
even though the critics didn't love this movie, I remember really enjoying it. One of my favorite parts is when Sandra stumbles upon Betty in the woods, dancing around a fire as a Native American. Hey, my memory's okay. There we go. Betty convinces Sandra to come dance with her and celebrate Mother Earth and how it brought her and Ryan together. But Sandra's hesitant at first, but then she starts twerking around the fire singing Little John Get Low. Oh, that's right. You know it. To the window, to the wall. Oh, yeah. I won't sing the rest because I don't want to get sued. But you know it. And if you haven't listened to it. Because anytime when anybody says the window. Yeah, he's like, to the wall. Yeah, and then you have to sing the rest. And you're like, and, and yeah, that's a good song. Also, un, unrelated to that, it is hot in here in this room, and the sweat mm. is dripping down my balls. Yes. Yes. That's kind of gross. <laughs> that's part of the song. It is. <laughs> and and maybe some bitches crawl. Yeah, so, you know. Ski, ski, ski could be in there as well. <laughs> could be in the song. Motherfucker. I yeah. don't know. Something. so do yourself a favor and google betty white the proposal scroll down a little and it should be the first video under trailer and clips okay if you use google (laughs) uh do you talk about her role in the movie lake placid no that's a good one though yes so i will just say check betty white out in that because she is a super vulgar woman in that movie yeah she plays the woman who's feeding the crocodile, of course, but um, they ask her a question or something like that. They're like, did you kill your husband? And she's like, if I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. <laughs> yes. I really kind of think she was like that in real life. Maybe. she said, She's like, this isn't the first time I've said that to somebody. I said it to B. Arthur back in 1980. <laughs> if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it, B. Now I'm going to go say hi to the audience. <laughs> Bye. 2010 would be a very good year for Betty. Hot in Cleveland was a show that Betty only agreed to do a guest star on one show. Just one time. Yeah. And of course, they loved her and wanted her to stay. Hot in Cleveland was the first original scripted show TV Land had done. Oh, okay. Uh, Betty said she couldn't decline even though her schedule was booked. She said in her book, if you ask me, and of course you won't, uh, the pilot had been a delightful experience. The girls were a joy. Uh, the writing was fun. And it had been a very happy set. So she says, what's there to walk away from? Like, she's yeah. like, this is great. I love this. That's good. And and she had had big, big success throughout her career because I just had to look it up and remember. But she was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm-hmm. That was a huge success. Yes. Yes, for real. Um, But this show would get Betty noticed again. Uh, People would call it her big comeback. However, you know, Betty never stopped working, like you said. Yeah. She was in tons of stuff. Uh, She was just noticed by more people. But without Betty doing Hot in Cleveland, we would not have gotten the famous Snickers commercial that aired during the 2010 Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. It also would not have started a campaign on Facebook called Betty White to host SNL please. Betty said she always turned SNL down when offered because it really wasn't her style. Yeah. Uh, She liked to memorize her lines, um, but SNL does like 40 or more sketches with only five or six making the cut. I had no idea. 
I had no idea they did that many. Not that many. Yeah, I know. I They do uh, cue cards. Right. I know they do that, so you kind of have to, like, kind of act, but then read your lines. Yeah, it, it did make it impossible for her to memorize all of her lines, and she would have to use cue cards. Yep. Uh, when she finally broke down and accepted to host SNL, the cue card man told Betty to keep her eye on him in the cards, not who she was talking to. But she said that, that worked out great, but it was weird. Yeah. You know, it's different than what she was used to. I couldn't imagine talking to somebody and looking at, like, a cue card. I know. <laughs> like, I gotta read your face. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, you're like, uh, 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 uh. Mm. You can sometimes see it if you watch close enough on hosts or the people that are hosting. It's just like, hello, eyes to the side. How are you doing, eyes back? Exactly. You I think that's why they're like, just keep a, keep one direction with yeah. your eyes. She also remembered that all the costume changes, which had to be done in one minute and 30 seconds. Oh, wow. So in her book, she said after a sketch, someone would grab her hand and drag her off stage into a small closet she was attacked by someone taking her clothes off and put new ones on uh, while someone else was touching up her makeup. And then even somebody else was removing and adding a wig. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, that'd be crazy. And, and I've heard people that work at SNL said it's like one of the most stressful jobs. Oh, yeah. You've got to think of something new each week. And then, yeah, it. I don't think I would flourish under those conditions. No, no, no. And then once this is done, your your hand is grabbed and you're... You're drugged back on stage, mm-hmm. and she's like, I was too frazzled to remember what the next sketch was until, you know, I got back to those cue cards. Yeah. Until she got back to those cue cards. Um, but this SNL would win Betty her seventh Emmy Award for Best Guest Actress in a Comedy Series. What, was B. Arthur dead at this point, 2015? I can't remember. I, just, I would imagine her being like, God damn it! <laughs> no, I don't remember. Yeah, 2009. Okay. So she hears it from the heavens. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, this is the last time, B. Next time you're going right to hell. Took me a second there. He's like, B, you know, we let you in here. I, I love the Golden Girls. It's my favorite show. This is God. But you got to stop cursing people out. You got to stop. I heard you called Michael the Archangel a cunt. I mean, that's just not going to work. Mm-mm. Nope. But Betty is not only an actor and comedian, she's also an author. I only read one of her books, um, but it was a nice read. Uh, I mean, and I don't I don't like to read books. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it flowed very nice, and it had short chapters. You know, just <laughs> perfect. Yeah, the book I'm reading now has short chapters. I'm like, oh, thank you. It's just, I don't know, whenever you're like, oh, my God, I got 10 more pages. Jesus Christ, when is this going to be done? Yeah, I don't know why I think like that, too, but it's like the Da Vinci Code. They make a joke about that where it's like, oh, the chapters are short, so you feel like you're getting something done. I sure do. Yeah. I'm like, I read three chapters last night. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess you know if it's a good book when you're like, oh, my gosh, it's over already. I got to read the next chapter to find out what happened. Yeah, true. So her first book was released in 1983. And called Betty White's Pet Love, uh, How Pets Take Care of Us. Unfortunate name. (laughs) (laughs) Pet Love. Betty White Loves Pets. How about that? Eh, you know. Now, what kind of pet love is this, Betty? (laughs) Well, I was investigated by the FBI after that name. She also co-authored a ton of books and even wrote some children's books. 
So just Google books written by Betty White and you can get the whole list because there's a lot. Wow. And then she wrote a book about B. Arthur called The Magical Maiden versus the Evil Dragon. <laughs> yeah. That's one of her kids' books. Yeah, and then the maiden went and talked to the villagers, and the villagers loved her, and the evil dragon said, cunt. <laughs> you cunt. <laughs> but Betty had an interesting way of writing her books. I mean, you would think that most authors use a typewriter, you know, back in the day, but now they would maybe use a computer, or there's even a pen that can record audio and transfer it into mm-hmm. written form. I need that. But Betty never used any of those she wrote all her books long-handed geez she's like quentin tarantino he writes his scripts longhand like that on legal pad yeah can't even imagine i'm inspired by betty white man yeah just a pen and paper my hand just aches thinking about it and i'm a lefty so i smear the shit out of it (laughs) (laughs) like i wrote this it was great i can't read it now yeah i spent (laughs) several days writing my book See, when I was writing Pulp Fiction, I read that Betty White writes it all longhand. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write my script. So uh, that's why Pulp Fiction is dedicated to Betty White. Yeah. I came up with the idea of a gimp in the basement because of Betty White. <laughs> when those guys are fucking Marcellus Wallace in the basement in the ass, I'm like, that's because of Betty White. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But in school, she wrote a 100-page book long-handed with a pen you had to dip in ink. Jeez. Like, that's all she was. See, I'm still doing it. She's still alive. Yeah. Yeah, wow. (laughs) She's so old, they hadn't thought of pens with ink in them. Yeah. It's about this big eagle quill. (laughs) My dearest friends. And then she seals it with, like, her own wax. Her wax seal. (laughs) B.W. Pet. The pet lover. (laughs) Betty White, the pet lover. (laughs) Betty, can we change that? (laughs) Betty White, the person who loves pets. So there is something that Betty didn't like about being a celebrity, which was red carpet events. Oh, yeah. Uh, She explained in her book that as soon as you step out of your car, you're struck blind and deaf by photographers and television reporters that greet you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, and and you've seen it in movies too, where people get out and there's like flashes of light all over. Yeah, but it would be funny if like her real personality that we assume she has comes out. She starts swinging. Oh, that'd be nice. Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> swinging elbows. <laughs> Betty White just hit me in the face. <laughs> she says with all of this, she can lose her balance, but then she worries about people thinking that she had too many vodka martinis. Oh, yeah. With all this, Betty is as nice as possible because she knows that these are just people trying to do their jobs. You can't resent it. It's a necessary evil to promote a project. Yeah. And she says it's a hazard one just has to get over. I would hate doing it, too. Uh, Me, too. Too much uh, spotlight. Yeah. You know, I, I like attention, but I don't like, I don't know. I like individual attention. I know. That you, makes sense. You have so many people being like, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly over here, Shelly, Shelly. Oh, I would have a panic attack. Yeah, I know. I'd start crying and just be like, get me out of here. But Betty has a secret to youth. Uh, she doesn't have a sweet tooth, but she does prefer a vodka martini. And eats pets. Before, <laughs> before dinner, before she has uh, her chihuahua. No. Uh, <laughs> no. 
she loves hot dogs and french fries, or no. she loved hot dogs and french fries so much that Pink's Hot Dog Company named a hot dog after her. They called it Betty White Naked Dog. <laughs> These names. It's like, Betty, what is it with you and animal names being weird like that? <laughs> uh, since she likes them plain with no condiments at all. Weird. Like, oh, that's so dry. That's how my grandfather used to call them. When I was younger, I didn't like to have done anything on my hot dog or burger. But like, you like them naked. Naked. It's just an old-timey thing, I guess. You naked hot dog that you're going to shove down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa, please. We'll put you back in the home. Uh, so I'm thinking she should have tried one of those hot dog eating contests. Yeah. She would have been great. I also think being around animals helped her a lot with her youth. It's just, you know, animals are great. Oh, yeah. Very rejuvenating. So Betty enjoyed being around animals more than humans. And who could blame her? In her book, she says animals don't lie or criticize. And if they have moody days, they handle them better than humans do. Oh, yeah. For, for real. True facts. Absolutely. Uh, Betty did a lot for people by making them laugh, but also did a lot for animals. Um, by doing this... She got to get up close and personal with some of some famous animals. One being Coco the gorilla. Yeah. Uh, who was known for communicating by sign language. Uh, there's pictures in her book of her sitting next to Coco while she tries to unbutton Betty's shirt. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the handler said Coco was very interested in boobs at the time. Oh, God. So um, she also got up close and personal with a... Beluga whale at the Atlanta Aquarium. She worked with the Los Angeles Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. She would sponsor a guide dog every Christmas with the organization Guide Dogs for the Blind. So that's precious. That's very nice. Betty did have a love for a different kind of animal, a stuffed animal. So she became Betty White the Animal Stuffer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a taxidermy. <laughs> Um, she didn't always like to talk about thinking that people might think she's crazy. Yeah. And I feel this because truth be told, I love stuffed animals. Oh yeah. They're comforting. We actually have a stuffed unicorn in our kitchen area. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. I don't know. I've just always, and that's probably it because when I was younger, I had a favorite stuffed animal that I would always, you know, hang on to. Same. Yeah. I had a little bunny rabbit that was like holding a carrot. And I lost it in my parents' car somewhere, and they looked and looked and looked and couldn't find it. So they got me another one, and they were like, we found it. Uh, and then one day I was in the car, and I found the other one, and I'm like, what? what? the fuck? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I know. I had a panda. Yeah? And it was actually Houdini's. Oh. Uh, he started um, getting very loving with your, it. Houdini, your bird. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You listeners, you're supposed to know who Houdini is. <laughs> <laughs> or was. He, he? Sadly, we had to put him down uh, this, gosh, when was it? July? Around, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Has it been that long already? Yeah. I know. Betty passed away on December 31st, 2021, in her sleep uh, due to a stroke that she had six days prior. Oh, no. So I couldn't confirm this anywhere, but my guess is that she had a silent stroke, which can go undetected, and then it finally caught up to her on New Year's Eve. Three days before her death, 
she did an interview with People about her upcoming 100th birthday celebration. She told People, I'm so lucky to be in such good health and feel so good at this age. It's amazing. And then B. Arthur from Heaven struck her down. Yeah. It's like, B, that is it. <laughs> You're going to hell. Betty White, we got to make room for Betty White anyway. <laughs> she gets her own castle up here. You two can't be in the same room together at all. B. Arthur's like, she gets a castle. I was living in a shack up here. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Get down there. Get down. Get down. Um, but this just goes to show you never know. You never know when your time is going to be up. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't just be like, oh, my God, I could die any day. You know, you got to. Just live, man. Yeah. Just live. Just don't be afraid to do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Betty was cremated and her final resting place is unknown per her wishes. Betty's net worth was $75 million. Wow. That's a good chunk of change. Yeah, very nice. It's not known where that money went. She did have three stepchildren who may have received some. And I'm certain that she gave some to nonprofit animal shelters as well. The rest she would burned with. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. She's like, I'm taking it with me. When Betty passed, the nation started a Betty White challenge, which was to donate $5 to an animal shelter. Oh. This challenge raised $12.7 million from 390,000 people. Wow. That's insane. And it's so amazing. I remember that happening. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that Betty's love for animals spilled over and we could come together to make such an impact on animals' lives. When she wrote her book, If You Ask Me, and of course you won't, she was 89 years old. Wow. She explained that she didn't get depressed about her age climbing because she didn't fear death. After someone had passed, her mom would always say, now they know the secret. Oh. And now Betty knows the secret that bees in hell and she's in heaven. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got. Wow. What a great life. Yeah. Man, I just love her. Yeah. I know we made some jokes, but she just seemed like the nicest person. Yeah. And even in her death, she was able to raise money for animal charities. I mean, I bet, like... I don't know if there's an afterlife or whatever. I don't believe in any of that. But if she could only see, she'd be so happy. Yeah. Like I can, uh, if that happened to me, I would just be elated. Yeah. You know? But she, I love Betty and I also love Estelle Getty, mm -hmm. which I didn't know her very well until I researched her, but just genuinely nice people that love their fans. Yeah. Like they knew this is why they were where they're at. Yeah, and all the work that Estelle did for the, the gay community back yeah. in the time, you know, it's just, they're great people. Exactly. And, you know, Rue and B were good people, too. They just seemed to have some more rougher times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think B was just more reserved and, I don't know, bullheaded. Yeah. And Rue was just too much of a free spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the hippie. Woo! <laughs> But that does conclude our Golden Girls. Yeah, we got there. We finally yeah, made it. Made it. I didn't think we would, but we did. Uh, and thank you for your patience. If you're like, oh my gosh, when's the next one going to come out? Which I don't, I don't know that we're there yet. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I mean, we we do this for free. This is just a side thing we do, and we love to do it, and it's fun. But you know, we we unfortunately we have other things in life. We've got careers, and Shelly's about finished with school yes. for her 
for her certificate and you know hopefully when she finishes that we'll have more time to do some more things but we we try to get them out when we can yeah exactly do you want to tease your next idea I do, and it's one I've always been fascinated with, and that's Brandon Lee, mm-hmm. and it's just basically how he died. Yeah. is just like, there's such conspiracy around it, and there's uh. even more stuff that I'm finding out that I just can't wait to share with you guys. I could talk about it right now, but I'm not going to yeah. do that. And I, I know a little bit about this, too, and you know, it was such a tragic event that he, you know, how he died, but... So it'll be interesting to know to learn about him, yeah. other than just the tragedy. It has been nice getting to know him. Yeah, so it's very good. But thank you guys so very much. We fucking love you, and uh, please share um, our podcast with your friends. Yeah, as long as they don't mind a little cursing, because <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. Um, if you are not following us on social media, you can find us pretty much everywhere. Uh, we're most active on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any suggestions, if you want to tell us anything at all, you can email us, thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We, like she, like Shelly said, we thank you so much. Next week, well, next time, we'll be returning back to a movie. And we had said the theme of this was going to be a movie that was out in theaters when we started up the podcast for the first time, and we're picking Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yay! Yay. So I'll be able to talk Yay. about all my problems with it, because <laughs> I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. I even like the second one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that next time. All right. <laughs>